Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Our topic today is how the marriage supper will kill pre-trib. I'll say it again. How the marriage supper will kill the misunderstanding of pre-trib and really mid-trib and also pre-wrath because it simply explains how it really works. Okay, so let's get started. Let's jump, first of all, to a couple of parables. We've got to get some background here. Matthew 22, 2. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king, the king being the father, which made a marriage for his son, being Jesus, and sent forth his servants, that would be the Jews, to call them that were bidden to the wedding. That's the Jews. Okay? They were the first called. Okay, It's not until uh, the sheet let down and Cornelius and all of that that the gospel went over to the Gentiles. Originally, it was only called to the Jews to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come, and the Jews would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, and I prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed. All the things are ready, come into the marriage. But they made light of it, and they did. They made light of Jesus, went their ways to his farm and other to his merchandise, and the remnant took his servants, and they did, and entreated them spitefully, slew them, But when the king heard of it, that's the father, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies. The armies would be the armies in heaven that uh, is going to eventually be the fulfillment of that. But it literally happened in 70 A.D. when he sent the armies to destroy Jerusalem and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden, the Jews, are not worthy. Go therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, in other words, to the Gentiles, to everybody else, because the Jews wouldn't receive Jesus, they were the, the gospel was then sent to anybody and everybody else that would receive it. As many as shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. In other words, they were all invited. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king, that's the father, came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not a wedding garment. Now, how do you get to the wedding without a garment? What does the garment represent? Garment, in Revelation, it represents the righteousness of the saints. Okay, what's the righteousness? Well, it you got to be clean, but it also smacks of works. And I'm going to show you another parable. That's, that works is a key there, too. Not saying that we get to heaven by works. But when we get there, we want to find some rewards. And he saith unto him, Friend. So he knew him. Friend, how camest thou hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless, had no answer, had done anything, in other words. Then said the king to the servants, Okay, bind him hand and foot and take me away, cast him into outer darkness. Now, I want to believe, but it probably is not true, but I want to believe being cast out into outer darkness might mean that four months later when Jesus returns as king of kings, he might still then be allowed into the kingdom. But there's nothing that says that happens. Cast him into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but a few are chosen. Now, that's been a real point. What, what, what is it talking about? Many are called, but a few are chosen. Well, like, for example, Michael Boldea, he was chosen. He doesn't really want, at least he says every time, he doesn't really want the job. But he didn't have a choice. In other words, he was chosen. Now, in my case, I'm called. I can walk away from it if I want to. I don't want to. But some are chosen. They don't have a choice. Some are called. 
Now let's go to the second parable that's going to be very important when we tie these things together. It's the parable of the ten virgins. Matthew 25, 1, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins. Now, what's a virgin? That means that they haven't gone after any other gods. They have only accepted Jesus. It means that they have accepted Jesus. But what this is referring to is those people and how they're chosen to get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb or not. Now, again, there are ten virgins, so they all will go into eternity, but not all of them will get to go into the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's very important here. This is going to tie together to help you to see how the pre-trib rapture just, uh, sorry, just, is, I mean, I love you, but it's just not there. Shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins which took their lamps? Hmm. Okay, what are the lamps? Uh, bodies. In other words, they, they took themselves. They took their lamps, went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps, but they didn't have any oil. Now, here's the big question. What's the oil? The oil, well, that's that's works. In other words, did they just get their one talent and bury it in the ground? Or did they turn their one talent into ten more talents? Did they serve? Did they go out into the vineyard, in the highways and the byways? Or did they just sit down? Yeah, Jesus, he's my Lord, and do nothing. Okay, that's taking your vessel, but not having any oil. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slept and slumbered, and I believe we've all at one time or another kind of got sleepy on Jesus. And at midnight, now why midnight? Because he says, behold, I come as a thief. And then if you look up uh, Isaiah seventeen fourteen, it says, in the evening they are, in the morning they are not. So there's several references to actually he returns in the night. <laughs> Well, you may be saying, well, would that be Jerusalem's night or would that be uh, night in China? The answer is it's not time every place. Why? Because the sun has been out for about 72 hours by the time he returns. There is no light on the planet. So when he says at midnight, there was a cry made. Now, midnight here is referring to it's getting very close to his final return. Again, he returns two more times, as I discussed and showed yesterday. And at midnight, there was a cry made. Now, what's the cry? Hmm. I'm going to show you. At midnight, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go yet to meet him. Why does it say a cry made? Why does it tell them to go out and meet the bridegroom? Well, because Revelation 14, 4 says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Now, as we discussed yesterday, Jesus came back, comes the next time on first fruits, which I'll show, and he returns as a lamb. Acts one eleven said, You mean of Galilee, why stand you gazing up this same Jesus? And he went up in a cloud, not clouds, I'll show you. A cloud went up in a lamb body when he comes back down. This same Jesus shall so come in like manner. He will come back down in a cloud, not many clouds. Now, this is for the next time. This is on first fruits, okay? So that's what it's referring to. Now, what is the cry made? What is it talking about? Go yet to meet him. Because when he comes down again in a lamb body, that's when he resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys, and him and the these 144,000 walk all over Jerusalem. Probably the primary objective is trying to get these stiff-necked, hard-headed <laughs> 
Jews, which I love, uh, but trying to get them to accept Jesus because when you see this come down, there is no question that in 50 days is the marriage supper of the Lamb, because that happens on Pentecost, and then four months after that, Jesus returns for the final time. So when he says a cry made, when they see Jesus come, that is, see it says at midnight there was a cry made, behold the bridegroom cometh. We might say it this way, at midnight there was a cry made, Jesus came. Go you out to meet him. What, 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 what are you talking about? Okay, if you are living in Jerusalem for the last first fruits, when Jesus returns for the first fruits or on first fruits, that's when he resurrects the 144,000. And then for about, well, for exactly 50 days, he walks around with 144,000 trying to convince the Jews he is Messiah. And then on Pentecost, I'll show you scripture for that second. Then we all, washed in the blood, go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Four months later, we return with Jesus on white horses, and also there the two angels have sharp sickles that slash the grapes. So, I'm about, I want you to notice this, because I'm about to read this, where it says, Jesus says, my hour is not yet come. It's because at this time, it's a picture, and then at the, the end, it returns again. Now, let's back up to where I was here. So it says, at midnight, there was a cry made, meaning Jesus returns on first fruits. That is the cry, cry made. And the bridegroom, why does it say go yet to meet him? Because if you're living in Jerusalem at that time, you would be able to walk up on the Mount of Sion, Mount Sion. It's a small mountain. You can walk up on it, and you'd be able to go up and meet Jesus. What? Well, you know, I write this stuff. I'm just delivery boy. That's what it says. It says that when he returns the next time, you will be able to go up and meet him. And no, it's not talking about going up and meet him. It's talking about going to Mount Sion, just like Revelation 14, 4, excuse me, 14, 1 says. Now, let's go on. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil. In other words, give us some of your works. For our works are gone out. In other words, we, we've fallen, fallen asleep. We're not doing anything. But the wise answered and saying, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but... Go rather to them that sell and buy of yourself. In other words, you go out and work. But while they went to buy, or while they went to go out and do their works, the bridegroom came and they were that were ready. Now that's a big key here. Look at that word ready. Those that are ready went in. Not everybody gets to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed and holy is he that is invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Those that are ready went in and the, the into the marriage and the door was shut. That means no one else gets into the marriage supper of the Lamb. It does not necessarily mean no one else gets to go into the kingdom of heaven. Because Revelation 14, no, no, hang on, 14, 13, says, And uh, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. So just because they didn't get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, does not necessarily mean they're not saved. Does not necessarily mean they don't go into eternity. But those that are ready, not everybody gets to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Those that are ready, meaning those that are watching and those that have works, those that are serving. And by the way, by the time, most time, most of the time, by the time the marriage supper of the Lamb rolls around, pretty much all the Christians are dead anyway. So doesn't matter a whole lot. Anyway, let's go on. Afterward came also those virgins, saying, Lord, Lord. Okay, so they know. They, they are a Christian. They received Jesus. They just didn't have any works. 
Lord, Lord, open to us. He said, Verily I say to you, I know you not. Meaning, for the marriage supper of the Lamb, sorry, you're not getting in for this. For this, you you got to serve me, and you also have to love me. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Now, he's not talking about the Feast of Trumpets coming, the last one. Here he's referring to the marriage supper of the Lamb that takes place about six months before then. Now let's talk about the marriage of Cana, because most everything in the Bible is repeating. It's like a continual circle. Uh, That thing which was done is that thing which shall be. So let's go to it and look at this. There's a story in the beginning, but then there's a hidden story behind it. John 2, 1. And the third day. Okay, what day are we in right now? Uh, We're in the third day. Uh, It's it's been 2,000 years now. I mean, here it is, year 2021, okay? So it's been 2,000 years. So we're in the third day. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. In other words, in the third day, as in now, there's about to be a marriage, marriage supper of the Lamb. In Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both, Je- and both Jesus was called to the marriage supper of the Lamb and his disciples to the marriage. Not everybody, those that are ready, get to go in. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto them, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? In other words, I'm not supposed to be doing this yet. It's not it's my, not my time to come into my full power. And that's what he's about to say. Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Now let me show you where he's referring to when he says, My hour is not yet come. See, His hour is here on the Feast of Trumpets when he returns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So when it says, woman, my hour is not yet come, he's referring to this. Because this is his hour is not yet come. Because when he goes up here and we go up with him, this is, he is still in a lamb body. Again, I said, Acts 1.11, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up? This same Jesus shall so come in like manner. So he, he went up. He went up some 2,000 years ago. The next time he returns, he comes down on first fruits, walks around with 144,000 for about 50 days. Then he resurrects all of those washed in the blood of the Lamb. Then we all go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But it is not his time yet. In other words, he has still not been crowned. This is his coronation. At this point, when he goes to the marriage supper of the Lamb with us, he is still in a Lamb body, probably wearing even the same clothes. It's not his time yet. He's not king of kings and lord of lords yet. Revelation 1 says he is the prince of the kings of the earth. What's a prince? It's an uncrowned king. So, his mother said unto him, servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And boy, that's a good point for us. I think that's what Jesus is saying to us right now. Whatever Jesus tells us to do, don't ask any questions. Just do it. And there was set there six water pots of stone. I think that represents the 6,000-year history of man. A mankind is given 6,000 years. After the manner of the purifying of the Jews, in other words, after to, to get mankind purified, to find out who's going to be saved, containing two or three firkins apiece. In other words, two or 3,000 years each. In other words, some to the, the ones that go to atonement, some that are written in the, the Jewish book of life, and then the other ones like us written in the Gentile book of life. Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water. In other words, fill my people with the Holy Spirit. See, that's what it's saying. 
fill them with, with my spirit. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw out now. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now draw out, okay? Not the, the rapture. Draw out for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Draw out and bear unto the governor. Draw out and what? Take to the marriage supper of the Lamb where the Ancient of Days or the Father is in charge. And it's the feast. And they bear it, and the ruler of the feast tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was. But the servants which drew the water knew. And the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when all have drunk well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. In other words, the best resurrection is those washed in the blood of Jesus. Yes, people like Samuel and Adam and Eve and David and those guys back there, they're going to get put in the Gentile, or excuse me, the Jewish book of life. But we, washed in the blood of the Lamb, that's the best resurrection. And of that, going to the marriage supper of the Lamb is the best resurrection to go to. But they kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles. So the beginning of the last day's miracles starts with... Uh, that would be first fruits. For these were the first fruits unto God and unto the Lamb, the 144,000. Beginning of miracles. See, all of this is repeating. The beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory. Manifested forth his glory. When does he do that? Well, that would be Feast of Trumpets. So this is proving that we're at the end time here. And the first time he manifests his glory, the first time, the beginning of it is when first fruits, when he comes down again in a lamb body, resurrects 144,000, manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. So here's where we are. Jesus went up in a lamb body. He comes down again in a lamb body on the first fruits. He resurrects 144,000, and for 50 days they walk around on the earth. Then on Pentecost, I'm going to show you why it happens this way. Pentecost, then they go to the marriage supper of the Lamb for about four months. The bride, that's us, the only thing we get is a ticket to the wedding, which is a wedding garment. And then Jesus, however, is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. He receives many crowns, a vesture dipped in his own blood. If I get to it, I'll explain that. And then both of us, him and us, return for the great harvest at Armageddon. Jesus is now no more lamb. He is now lion. We return as, as the wheat along with the barley on white horses. Jesus used the morning star to burn up all of the tares. All of that happens here. By the way, you can get this. This is a part of a fantastic deal we have offering right now. Uh, but anyway, let me, let me go back. I want, you to, I want to point out something else because it's important you see this for what I'm about to explain. Down here in a little yellow box, it says, Three Angels. See, there's three angels. One has the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell upon the earth. Every nation, kindred, people, and tongue, saying to them, worship, uh, saying to them, fear God, give glory unto him, for the hour of his judgment has come. Then, the second one is Babylon's fallen, fallen because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then, the third one is the angel that's warning. If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead and his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God that is poured out without mixture in the cup of his indignation and the smoke of his torment, torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast or his image or whosoever receive the mark of his name. Those, I believe that these three are happening on or about right in this area. Now, I reserve the right to change my mind. 
But I believe that the fall of America when the Russians attack will probably, please hear that word probably, probably be in this kind of a ballpark. That's a guess. I do not have thus saith the Lord. And if it doesn't happen that way, don't blame me. I'm doing the best. I'm doing the best guessing I can. <laughs> I do not have a thus saith the Lord. That's the best guess. That is a guess. I do not have a thus saith the Lord on that. Okay, so let's go on now. Now let's jump to talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb as it relates to America and the fall of America. As you recall, uh, DJT, when he was running, had a phrase, make America great. I want you to notice that word great again. Now, as you go through Revelation 18, I'm not going to cover the whole thing here. I want you to notice the word great because I think that's where we got that name great. America accepted that name. Now, I'm going to read this because this is going to tie into, if you want to know when the fall of America is, this is my best guess. Hear the word guess. And if you want to understand that, if you want to understand that in relation to the marriage supper of the Lamb, then I have to read what I'm going to read. So I'll go through it. And after these things, I saw Revelation 18, 1. After these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great, is fallen, has fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and the cage of every, every unclean and hateful bird. I'd like to think we haven't reached that level yet. Sometimes I think we have. Sometimes I think, no, 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 we got more time. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have, no, that means that the reason God destroys us is because we were the nation that took the Bible to the world. Now we're the nation that has taken Hollywood and the filth and the movies and the porn, and we're corrupting the world now because everybody's following America, and they followed us in the wrong direction. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Now, that's not a rapture. That's not saying move. Not yet. I do believe it be a time when the Holy Spirit will direct Christians to leave America. But right now, it's saying come out of her and be separate. Be holy. Don't be a part of her sins. Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers. So it tells you right there, don't be partakers of her sins, that you receive not of her plagues. For her sins reached into heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double and her double according to her works. Now, who is the you? When it says reward her, even as she rewarded you, who's that talking about? Uh, those washed in the blood of the Lamb. In other words, you will see America turn hard, fast against Christians. America will turn into a Christian killing machine. That's what it's saying. Reward her, even as she rewarded you, double and her double according to her works. In the cup that she has filled, filled to her double. How much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. Now, is this talking about a pre-trib rapture? For she saith in her heart, I said a queen, and I'm no widow, and she'll see no sorrow. I'm not going to go through any trouble, because I believe in a pre-trib rapture. <laughs> I love you. Remember, I love you. And you got to have an open mind here. I'm not trying to offend you, but it's just not going to happen that way. And, and I'm I'm sorry that so many prophecy teachers taught 
such a, a, a doctrine filled with error. As a matter of fact, I, I actually have taught it at one time. I was early, my early days of teaching prophecy. I mean, because in those days, you went to a, a Christian bookstore, the only books you could find were pre-trip. It was the only thing that was taught. No one ever posed the, the, the fact that, hey, there might be a mid-trib or a pre-wrath or maybe even a post-trib rapture here. I sit a queen, and I'm no widow, and she'll see no sorrow. Mm-mm, not me. I'm not going through any trouble. Does that sound pre-trib to you? Mm-mm. Because for all this trouble comes, Jesus is going to come returning in the clouds and pull me up in the clouds. We're not going to see any trouble. Therefore shall our plagues come in one day. What does that mean? Because America wouldn't listen. Because America wouldn't realize that there is not a pre-trib rapture. Because America refused to allow me to correct her in small measures. Because she thought she wasn't going to be around. So therefore, in one day, death, mourning, and famine. As in suitcase and nukes is part of it. But the Russians attacking with their, their nuclear bombs is the real then from the oceans russia cuba nicaragua central america mexico and two of the countries will attack and defeat america in one day in one hour so great riches will come to naught. therefore shall a plagues come in one day death mourning and famine and she shall be utterly burned with fire for strong is the lord god who judgeth her and in her was found now we jump by the way several verses talking about america in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and her all that was slain upon the earth what does that mean? It just it doesn't just mean that the Christians in America will be killed. It means that America was supposed to be the one that was holding this world together, holding up the torch. We were supposed to be the one that protected the rest of the world. God gave us the strongest military, the strongest uh, economy. We were supposed to be the one that didn't allow all of this evil to come. But we did. So consequently, God puts on our back the blood of the prophets and the saints and all slain upon the earth. Now, I want you to look here because this is this is Revelation 18. This is Revelation 19. Now, the original way it was written, there were no chapters. There were no verses. And sometimes, I'm even going to say many times, and especially this time, there is no change in thought. If you think there's a change in thought, then you miss something. So let's get get where we are here. We're still talking about America And now it jumps into chapter 19. And after these things, in other words, after the fall of America, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven. How did much people get to heaven? Oh, well, it's not the rapture. I mean, if it was the rapture, that's certainly not pre-trib. It's not mid-trib. It it would be barely pre-wrath. But I believe it's talking that the marriage supper of the Lamb has taken place at this point. Now, I'm going to show you where that is here in just a second. After these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation, glory, honor, and power to the Lord our God. The, oh, look, look, the Lord our God, those are people that are washed in the blood of the Lamb. I believe this is not, this is talking about them at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So the, this is the first time we see Jesus in person at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what it's talking about. In other words, America fell. Shortly after that, we're at the marriage supper of the Lamb. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he has judged the great whore, America, which did corrupt corrupt the earth with her fornication. In other words, fornication is falling away from God, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. In other words, a lot of Christians are about to lose their life sometime between now and the Russians attacking. 
And again they said, Alleluia! And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen! Alleluia! A voice came out of the throne, saying, This is important. Praise our God, all ye his servants. That's the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's us. <laughs> all his servants that were ready. Got to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'll prove it's the marriage supper of the Lamb in just a second. Saying, Praise our God, all you servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. How can I prove that? Let me refresh first one more time. So Jesus, the next time Jesus comes down in a cloud, a cloud, resurrects 144,000, walks around for 50 days, probably on, about, or around in this ballpark. We see the everlasting gospel handed out. That means it's just about over. Babylon or America has fallen. And then all those, the, the big warning goes out. Anybody that worships that beast or takes his mark, they're going to burn forever with no chance of escape. Then, 50 days later on Pentecost, we then go as the wheat. So it's the barley, that's the Jews, and the wheat, which is those washed in the blood. Then go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. About four months later, we return with the armies in heaven. We're part of the armies in heaven at that point on white horses. Now let's go on to the next one. Now we're talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. That's us. As the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent, look at that word, reigneth. So now he is not prince of the kings of the earth. Now he is not lamb. He is now reigning as king of kings and lord of lords. Why? Because we're now going to the marriage supper of the lamb. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Those that are ready. What? The ones that had oil, you see, that had works, that were washed in the blood and had works. Not everybody. Now, just because you didn't have any works, that doesn't mean you're thrown away. It, it just means you don't get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And her is granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. There it is. I said, what is the oil? It is the fine linen or the righteousness of the saints, the righteous works of the saints, the righteous life of the saints. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. That's Jesus on the white horse, and we're following behind him. And he said of him as called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. What war? Armageddon. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Why? Because now he's not a lamb. He's not a lamb anymore. He's never going to be a lamb again. Now he is king of kings and lord of lords. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and he had on his head many crowns. Where did he get the crowns? Pre-tribbers. Where did he get the crowns? He got the crowns at the marriage supper of the lamb. Because he's coming from the marriage supper of the lamb. He's coming from the coronation. He's coming from when he got crowned king of kings and lord of lords. See, in the whole understanding of pre-trib, it does not explain where the marriage supper of the lamb is. They say, well, you know, uh, when, when Jesus comes in the clouds, uh, you know, we go up to the marriage supper for seven years. Show me that in Scripture. I'm going to show you the way it really happens in Scripture. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his head were many crowns, and he had on his name written, which no man knew but he himself. He was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, and I'm going to say it's his own blood, but I probably won't have time to explain that today. And his name is called the Word of God. The armies, that's us. <laughs> that's us. The armies which are in heaven fall at him on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, because we're coming from the marriage supper of the Lamb to watch him burn up his enemies. 
And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. It's not a metal sword. It's a light sword. It's called the morning star because Jesus is the bright morning star. It's the same sword that the two witnesses has. If any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, all of the nations that are gathered down to Jerusalem to destroy Israel. And he should rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture, here, and on his thigh, here, a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Why? Because he just went to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He's coming from the marriage supper of the Lamb, which we were there. We were wearing a wedding garments, watching him change from lamb to lion, from prince to king. You can't do that with a pre-trib rapture doctrine. It just doesn't fit. And I explain this in my book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. I got these charts on the back of the book. So you can look at all the charts. Uh, also, we, we've got a fantastic offer coming up here. Let me, let me finish this. And I saw the beast, that would be the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered, to get, gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse, that would be Jesus, and against his army. And the beast was taken with him, the false prophet, which wrought miracles before them with which he had deceived them and had received the mark of the beast, and them that had worshipped his image. These both were cast alive. Why did it say alive? Because their body is burned and given to the burning flame, but their soul is cast into, exactly it says, lake of burning fire with brimstone, and they are tormented day and night forever, and they have no rest who worship the beast or his image, or receive the mark in his forehead or in his hand. And the remnant was slain with a sword of him that sat on the horse. What's the name of that sword? Morning Star. It's the Morning Star which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. So there's an overview. And by the way, that chart there is, is one of the charts in the back of the books. Also, you can get it in part of our, our offer. I'll talk about it in a second. Now, if, if there were a pre-trib rapture, please tell me when Jesus got crowned. Well, did you know there's a specific time for the marriage to take place? And it's not a seven-year marriage, and it doesn't happen before the, the tribulation. Okay, but, but they throw all the the understanding of the feasts out when they're trying to teach a pre-trib. So when did the armies get their wedding garments? See, pre-trib can't answer these questions. It doesn't fit in, you see. So here's the way it really happens. The first and the last marriage happen according to the feasts. Which feast? The answer would be Pentecost. You got scripture for that. Yes, I do. <laughs> so you go to Exodus 19, 1, and it says, In the third month, when the children were gone forth out of the land of Egypt. So this is three months after they come out of Egypt. And this is when God spoke to him and said, I will be your God if you will be my people. And they spoke. Now, this is seven verses later. They spoke and they said, All that the Lord has spoken to us, we will do. That word do, my guess is that that's how that word got stuck into the answer. Do you accept this lawfully? Do you accept this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? I do. Do you expect to accept this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? I do. I think it's because that word is right there. In other words, and by the way, what is the only feast that takes place in the third month? There's only one. Only one. That would be Pentecost. So the first marriage took place on Pentecost. The last marriage 
takes place on the last Pentecost. It's not over seven years. It's over about four months, just like the feasts tell us. If we understand the feasts, we understand this. So sorry to say, if you have been taught a pre-trib, mid-trib, or pre-wrath rapture, I love you the same. It doesn't bother me. You can stay pre-trib. I'll still be your friend. I just hope you'll still have me be your friend if you're not going to change off a pre-trib. It's just that, see, the pre-tribbers, they get all mad if you're not pre-trib. You know, you can, if you're going to be my friend, you got to be pre-trib. Well, you know, you don't have to be post-trib to be my friend. I'm, I'm happy to be your friend. You can believe pre-trib if you want to. If you want to continue to believe that misunderstanding, it's it's okay by me. You're only hurting yourself. But I'm telling you, this is the way it really works. So, this particular verse, as I covered in yesterday's broadcast, further kills pre-trib. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion, and with him 144,000, and having his father's name written in their foreheads. Now, that's that's 20 minutes to explain that. So I'm not going to go through it today. Again, go to the broadcast yesterday. Except to say, this is saying that when Jesus went up the first time, Acts one eleven, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up this same Jesus shall so come in like manner? When he went up, he went up in a cloud, not clouds, a cloud, in a lamb body. And when he comes back down for first fruits, when he comes back down, he comes down in a lamb body. He is not king of kings and lord of lords. He is still a lamb. He is still prince of the kings of the earth. That's what this scripture is saying. Furthermore, when he comes down on first fruits, he doesn't put his foot down on Mount of Olives. He says, right there, it says, on Mount Zion. That's about a 30-minute walk from the Mount of Olives. So, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. That's the way it works. Now let's go to Acts one nine, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud, a cloud, not clouds, okay, a cloud, received him out of their sight. Why do I say a cloud? Because when Jesus returns on the Feast of Trumpets for Armageddon, then he returns in clouds, plural. And those aren't white clouds. That is darkness. Because when, see, eternity is darkness. If you go back and look in, in the first few verses of Genesis chapter uh, 1, before he moved upon the face of the deep. There was blackness and darkness. Okay, so eternity is darkness. When Jesus returns on the Feast of Trumpets for the last time, that's the, here's the way it works. Okay, here's the picture you should see. When he returns, <laughs> let me finish what I'm saying here. Okay, keep it in, in order here. So it says, this is when he went up. Okay, when he has spoken these things, while he beheld them taken up, a cloud received him out of their sight. You, and the man standing beside him said, You men of Galilee, why stand you uh, gazing up at heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you see him go into heaven. So he went up in a cloud. He comes back down in a cloud. Then walks around for 50 days. Here, let me go back to that. There we go. So he, he comes back down in a cloud, walks around with 144,000 for 50 days, Go to, goes to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and that's where he changed it from lamb to lion, from prince to king of, the, kings, king of kings and lord of lords, and then he returns here on the seventh trumpet, on the feast of trumpets, and that's when he destroys the, the sinners. All right, now back here. So when he comes the last time on the feast of trumpets, then that's when he sets his foot down on the Mount of Olives, they split in two to the north-south, and I covered all of that yesterday. 
So to summarize what I'm saying, the pre-trib rapture does not allow for the marriage supper of the Lamb. They can't explain where the marriage supper of the Lamb is. It's not over seven years. And as I was told, and as I taught, because again, that's what you can only find the pre-trib rapture understanding. What they believe is that on a merry, merry month of May, it's very beautiful outside. And all of a sudden, the white clouds open up. Jesus splits the sky, and we go up to be with him ever after. Not. That's not the way it happens. And then we're supposed to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb for seven years, and we return with him. That's not the way it happens. They misunderstand. There is no pre-trib. There is no mid-trib. There is no pre-wrath rapture. And the marriage supper of the Lamb is not protection. It's not a rapture. Those that are ready, and most of the people that go in at that time, most of the Christians already dead. That's the reason it says, well, here, let me back up. That's the reason it says right here, I put in here, if any man worship the beast. So this is probably days or weeks before we go to the, the Pentecost. That's the reason it says, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that their, their works may, their, they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Because there's some people that are Christians, that are saved, that will get all of their rewards, but they are not ready so they don't get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, they have to stay here, and then, that's the reason he says, if anybody worships the beast, because from here on out, it's going to be, I think I'm correct in saying this, it's going to be hell, or Antichrist, or the beast on earth. It's going to be hell on earth. For those last four months, it's going to be really tough not to take the mark of the beast. That's the reason the angel flies through the earth. It flies through the air. I believe every ear on earth hears that warning. If any man take the beast, if any man worship the beast or his image or receive its mark in his right hand and forehead, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God that is poured out without message, without measure, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast or his image or whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. That's the warning. That's just prior, my belief, my understanding. That's just prior to going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is a last case warning. So those alive, and most of them are dead, go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then those last four months, Katie, bar the door. That's some really tough stuff. All right, now, what I'd suggest, here we are coming upon Halloween. A number of years ago, we uh, we used to have a monthly speaker come in every month and make a two and a half, each one of these like two and a half hour DVDs. And they're very professionally made. He came in, he's an expert on occult crimes, uh, occult practices like bobbing frapples. Like for, let's take bobbing frapples. Do you know what bobbing frapples is all about? They, the Druids used to go out into the, the neighborhood and they were requiring every household to give them a sacrifice. I mean, remember I told you, the Moloch and Baal worshipers, that's what they believe in. They believe in killing people and eating people or drinking their blood or blood, blood products. So they required every house to give them a sacrifice. So they took these people, and they took them down to one one spot, and they had a big pot, and they tied their hands behind them. They heated the, the water until it was boiling. Then they would throw in an apple. And they said, you have one chance to reach down and grab the apple with your teeth. If you can grab it, one chance with your teeth, then we'll allow you to live. If not, then you're going to be sacrificed. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever tried to bite an apple. <laughs> like when I was a kid, I went to a Halloween party at school, 
And so I actually had a chance to try to bite an apple floating in water. It's not impossible. It's very so, but that's that's the origin of bobbing for apples. Also, he explains trick or treat and what is jack o' lantern. All it's just crazy stuff. Then Dot Marquis came in. He explained that from another angle, even more stuff. How all American holidays are actually occult. Christmas, Christmas, Easter, Halloween, and no, somebody emailed me. Do you, no, I don't celebrate any of them. As close as we come, we do not put up a Christmas tree. We do not have anything to do with Easter. We do not color eggs. We do not go hiding eggs. We don't do any of that. We have nothing to do with Halloween. Uh, in our neighborhood, we can put a green piece of uh, paper on our front door or a red one. Green means you celebrate Halloween Red means we don't celebrate Halloween and nobody comes to our door. We leave our lights off. We don't. Have, we ignore it. Um, as far as Christmas, the only thing we do there is we still exchange gifts because there is principle for that because they brought gifts to Jesus. But we do not tell our children that Santa Claus is going to give them their gifts or that he comes down a chimney or any of that rubbish. Instead, what we would tell our children is that Jesus gave them these gifts. So we still exchanged gifts on Christmas, but that's it. Our children never heard about no Santa Claus, nothing garbage like that. Why? Because we'd already heard this stuff. Then uh, we had Stephen Dollins in, ex-Satanist high priest, exposed the subtle devices to infill. He, people, when they watch this, this, this video, they're shocked. Christians are shocked to find some of the things in their home are actually occultic. Like, for example, like, for example, I'll get you on this one. Have you ever seen a dream catcher hanging off of people's rearview mirror in their car? It's this, like, uh, a round thing with kind of this web in the middle of it with some feathers hanging out. You know that's occultic? You know what that's supposed to do? They tell you that that's supposed to keep the demons away. No, what that is supposed to do is catch the demons so that they come into your life. <laughs> it's it's occultic. And what is shocking is how many Christian homes have occultic things in your Your child is having nightmares. You want to know why? Your wife is running around on you. You want to know why? Uh, your house burns. All kinds of bad things come to you because you have open doors. That demon is in your house or in your life or in your finances because he has permission. Where do you get permission? You gave him that permission. I did not. Yeah, you better get this DVD because I bet you did. Most of the time when the devil's coming into our life, he's coming into our life because we gave him permission through an open, like you have a tattoo, open door, open door to a demon. Why? That's not what, look it out, check it out. Then we had uh, Stephen Dollins come in and make another one on further occult holidays. Everybody liked this so much. So he, he talks about a lot of this same stuff, too. Bill Sneblin, a voodoo high priest, Wiccan high priest, second-degree member of the Church of Satan, New Age guru, occultist, Chandler, 90th-degree mason, night temper, and a vampire. No, yes. <laughs> he tells, when we had him, I'll tell you a little story. When we had him stay at our home, he was talking on all this stuff. And Leslie says, lock our bedroom door and lock our children into their bedrooms. <laughs> I've never told Bill that. We love Bill. He's a great guy. But he's a scary guy, too. 
So anyway, he would tell how he was a vampire. He literally lived off of the blood. I think he had three different women. And that's all he lived off of for several years. He, he said these, these teeth would grow like long and sharp. I mean, like a, a snake. And he says, and it was like an arousal. Okay, like a man gets aroused, but his teeth would grow when it was time for him to eat. And he said, literally, he would just kind of lick on them. And his saliva was like um, anti, not an antiseptic, uh, where it deadens it, where they didn't feel it. And and then his, his teeth would go in and he would literally suck blood out of these three women. He said he almost killed one because he took too much blood one time. And he said, the most addictive substance on the planet is blood. He says, that's the reason the Bible says, don't drink it, don't have anything to do with blood, because it is extremely addicting. And once you get addicted to blood, that's one of the reasons that the Moloch and Baal worshipers kill people. They drink their blood because it's extremely addicting. So what he said, there it is. Go check it out, okay? Now, you can get all of these in a gift offer down here for a gift of $90 by going to prophecyclub.com. You actually get the DVDs, which is a good deal. However, a better deal, the best deal, is go to watchprophecyclub.com, and it says you can gain access to some 250 of these two-and-a-half-hour DVDs we produced over the last 27 years. And I think it's $20 a month or $200 a year, but you get the first three days free. Go check it out, watchprophecyclub.com. Also, we just got some more Berkeys in. Eight big Berkeys, five royal Berkeys, one imperial Berkey, and the one I love that I use is a crown Berkey. Watch prophecyclub.com for the, the DVDs and for the Berkey, prophecyclub.com. Finally, I'd recommend you get the Watchman package. That's these charts that you've been looking at here back behind me. These are literal vinyl charts they're, it's, it's good vinyl it's, it's, they're, they're nice charts two by three two foot by three foot hang them up on your wall it's great for doing a bible study for teaching in your church go through and teach and teach people how things really work and if you have my book secret door to understand bible prophecy and especially if you've also got the five dvds called school of the watchman value to 355 dollars get them all for 200 bucks a matter of fact we had to reorder some so many people are getting this. They're absolutely loving it. So go to prophecyclub.com, get the Watchman's Package. You get this chart, and this chart explains it all to you. Finally, click like, share, and subscribe. Click like, share, and subscribe.